Hello, and welcome to episode 243 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. I love that this podcast is part of your professional development. And if you want to take it a step further, I recommend checking out The Modern Manager Skills Accelerator. This program is designed for managers just like you to help you develop the specific mindset, skills, and competencies needed to cultivate a thriving team where people get to be their best selves and do their best work. Plus, I am with you every step along the way, providing you with one-on-one support. Learn more and sign up at themodernmanager.com slash skills accelerator. Today's guest is Abhishek Nayak. As a co-founder and CEO of four startups, one of which was funded by Sequoia Capital, Abhishek is well-versed in the art of starting and scaling a business. But during his stint as an entrepreneur-in-residence at Excel, he discovered how much time engineers spend building internal applications. So he and two co-founders created AppSmith to put customizable app tools directly into developers' hands. The once small open source project is now used by over 10,000 teams, employs people in 16 countries, and has raised over $51 million in capital. Abhishek and I talk about how he's built this incredible team and culture for his fully remote global business. He shares the lessons he's learned and steps he's taken to support his people along the journey, from a small six-person co-located team through the disruption of COVID to a fully remote global company with over 120 employees. Now here's the conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Thank you so much for joining me today, Abhishek. I'm excited to talk with you about your journey of going from a totally in-person team to a fully remote team and growing your business along the way. Because that sounds like a very intense journey, and I'm looking forward to, to learning about it. Thank you, Mamie. I'm excited to talk to you about my journey from a young manager to, to an experienced manager and entrepreneur, and I'm so excited to share my learnings about remote working. All right. So why don't you start by setting the stage? What was the situation? Kind of, You were a small startup, building a business, figuring things out, and then you decided to go remote. So t- tell us what, what was the situation and what spurred that decision? Sure. So so imagine about two and a half years ago, it's uh, March of 2020. And we had a startup that's been in development mode and in the pre-launch mode for about six months. So we were a team of six people and we hadn't launched anything. So we didn't have a product that was out in market. Instead, we were heads down building. And we were doing all of this sitting around a single table in a co-working space. And then COVID hits and the co-working space basically tells us with just one day notice that from tomorrow onwards, you'll have to stop coming because we are shutting the co-working space. Because of COVID, we cannot have people work here anymore. That took us by surprise because we did not expect co-working spaces to shut down or offices to shut down. This is still early days when nobody was expecting COVID to be big. So we were quite surprised and we suddenly had to figure out How do we work together? Because we were a pre-product market fit startup, which meant every day was a lot of chaotic meetings, discussing an idea, immediately going and, you know, either building that out or designing it or writing content about it. But it was all in person and really quick. We used to all work together. 
So the first change that happened was we suddenly realized, okay, now we need to like figure out people's schedules. We need to figure out if people have the right internet connection at homes, all that. So with a team of six, we felt we could figure that out, especially because my co-founders were very confident that, that they can continue building and leading the engineering team. But I suddenly realized that I don't get to meet my co-founders enough. I won't get to share my ideas with them like we used to around the lunch table or in, in meetings or while having a coffee together. So that really scared me because I'm a very verbal and expressive person in person, but I'm a terrible writer. I'm not great at email. I'm not very really expressive in the written medium. So that was pretty scary. So this is how, this was the stage when we decided to go fully remote or rather we were forced to go fully remote. Wow. I mean, I feel like so many of us can relate to that experience of kind of overnight going from being all things are normal. We're coming into the office to you are now a remote team. Figure out how a whole new way to work. And to your point about like using different skills, it's a different thing to be working remotely. It requires right a lot more reliance on written communication, a lot more reliance on kind of self-direction and independence because you don't have people kind of surrounding you looking over your shoulder, right? There's a whole bunch of stuff that changes. You don't get that energy, right? As you said, you really enjoy being around your colleagues and now that's not happening. So tell me a little bit about why you decided to stay remote because things started opening up and you chose not to shift back to going into the office. Here. So the first two months were very slow for our team. We couldn't get as much done as we were doing before. But but during those two months, we rapidly started adopting more rituals. These rituals were around like a coffee check-in or just getting together to, to hack around the product or to do like a bug bash together. So we started building these rituals. And as these rituals started working, I also realized that there is some power to being in remote. The number one thing that happens is everybody gets their own personal office, at least most people. Somebody who has kids, I think they definitely still struggle to get personal space. But the rest of us, we were actually able to get a personal office. Moving from a open office to a quiet environment in your home, that meant we could do more focused work without losing concentration or without being distracted by somebody. So that was the first benefit that I saw, that engineers were actually happier. They were individually able to do more things, but collectively we were still a little bit slower because discussing ideas was slow. So that's something that I was really happy about because engineers loved it. And today you know how hard it is to recruit and keep engineers happy. So I was like, okay, that's a plus point, which means we could attract more engineers by telling them we are remote. The second thing that happened for me personally was I realized I could now run meetings in a more democratized way. We happily adopted Miro and turned that into our, our main discussion board. And I realized on Miro, everybody can type at the same time. On a normal whiteboard, you can't have 10 people writing down, the, writing down their ideas at the same time. But it's possible to do that on Miro and not have anybody who's the loudest voice in that room. So that really amazed me and opened a whole new world for me because I love talking to individual people and figuring out what their ideas are. And I realized now I can use Miro where everybody can share their own ideas at the same time without anybody talking over each other, without somebody's ideas being shot down or somebody trying to qualify somebody else's idea. 
so that was an amazing experience because i suddenly realized i could now listen to 10 people at the same time so that's how i realized i can now turn this into something that's positive a more democratic environment where everybody's ideas are heard the the second change that happened was around the way we recruit people we are in bangalore and bangalore is india's sort of like india silicon valley so the salaries are really high here i realized now i could look for people outside bangalore i could look for people in smaller towns of india in towns which have traditionally been ignored but also have smart people which meant we could keep hiring at the same pace that we needed to access better talent but not have to pay the high bangalore salaries simply because people were in a different market so that was that was really interesting to me because i realized you can be in a city which has one fifth the living cost of bangalore and still make a salary which is very very close to bangalore salaries but this person was now actually exceptionally happy we didn't have to actually lose people because we couldn't afford to compete with other bigger startups so that opened a whole world for me and i realized now i can hire inside india anywhere we also ended up hiring a first person from nigeria about about 8 months after we went fully remote and this person convinced me that we could hire internationally as well and create an amazing culture nigeria has some of the smartest people that i've ever worked with and i had never thought of nigeria as a place where i would go hire engineers from but after our first hire there we then started looking for more folks in nigeria as well as in other asian countries like we hired from china from pakistan bangladesh which are close to india we also hired folks from europe so all of that just started happening very quickly in our second year end of our first year of going remote and the starting of the second year where i suddenly realized i could basically find the best talent anywhere in the world and work with them so that was the that was the second thing that that really amazed me the third thing that that happened was because we had people all around the world it meant there's always somebody or the other who's available to engage with an appsmith user or an appsmith customer we didn't have we didn't need to have people staying up late to talk to appsmith customers or users who were international but we always had somebody or the other who was available in that time zone so so really like these are the three things that happened much better working environment we could attract and hire talent from anywhere and third it was actually good for our customers Oh my gosh. I mean, it's this is so different than what I often hear people talk about when remote work is so challenging. And these are real benefits that you were able to discover and then harness. So I want to go back to to some of these because when I was checking out your website, you had these beautiful core values and I a lot of what you just shared, I feel like is reflected in those core values. So can you talk a little bit about how you created those values and then how they have informed how you've how you're running the business and kind of how you're managing people especially across cultural divides. Yes, absolutely. So, one of the one of the core values that that we have is autonomy and what autonomy means is people get to work on something that they enjoy and people get to do that in the place that they you know that they enjoy working from. So, autonomy is exceptionally important for us because we try our best to hire exceptionally smart people and then we create an environment where they can tell us what's the best thing that we should be doing for our customers and that creates an environment where everybody knows that they can rely on the other person to 
complete a task or think through something because everybody is is autonomous and values that independence and independent people they tend to be generally like quite reliable because they know they they would love to get stuff done so that's one of our core values what this means for managers is that managers for example they don't specify a deadline for a person but instead the person actually figures out what the task breakdown should be what should the appropriate deadline be and they then engage with other stakeholders or other people involved in that task to figure out a collective deadline we don't like it when a manager specifies a deadline because a manager is not the person getting the task done therefore this manager is not the necessarily the right person to uh, break down the task now the role of the manager here is to examine the plan and figure out if there are missing ideas or figure out if there's way too much buffer and then they can improve and change the deadline but that's why almost every person here at appsmith they set their own deadlines which is then sort of like reviewed by a manager but we don't have a top down method where a manager or even me i come in and say hey you know what i need this done by tomorrow you know i don't care what you need to do so we don't have that sort of environment and that has led to like very very good long term decisions yeah oh my gosh i mean this is like so different from how most organizations function how most managers function where it's like we as the team leader are setting the deadlines and making the plans and holding everyone accountable and this approach of yeah we have a direction we have a vision we have a list of things we want to get done and then allowing your team members to create that that plan and say okay this is what i think i can get done in this amount of time based on what i know about these tasks and having the manager then review and enhance that and together come to agreement is such a beautiful way to create that sense of autonomy and giving the person who is going to be doing the work who would likely is the best not always but likely the best person to understand what it's going to take to get the work done and then to feel like they have the right support from their manager to kind of enhance the plan and and come to agreement and then be held accountable to it like that is just such a great way to manage and i'm i'm wondering was that always the case or like how did your managers get to the point where they felt comfortable being able to give their their team members that level of autonomy because i'm imagining people listening going oh my gosh if i let my team members just pick all their deadlines <laughs> they would that would be a giant mess and we get nothing done so i'm wondering if there was some trust building or relationship building or something that kind of created the environment or created the relationships where people felt like yeah this is the way that we can work and we can trust in it and we can be effective so a couple of things number one is people are still held accountable to their deadlines and we have retrospectives after generally it's every two weeks but we also do a retrospective after a project has ended to identify what could we have done better how could we have estimated our time better did we get things done a lot slower because there was way too much slack time or did people end up going through a crunch because you gave a unrealistic deadline all of these things happen but we have to keep we kept refining it a lot of people tend not to be great at estimating but given enough opportunities to learn for themselves they become great at estimating but they also become great at holding themselves accountable because when you set a deadline you know it's recorded somewhere it's it's visible for everybody to see and you know you are committing to this you're holding yourself accountable because you're also committing this to your team members so it's sort of like a 
collective accountability which uh, has evolved and in the start i would say we i wouldn't have guessed that this would work but but in case of a remote environment i realized this is the best way that we can make things happen without having people go through like crunch times or working on weekends and just working extra long hours because you know during covid if you remember all of us needed to be there for our families and we didn't know how situation might change for us maybe have a family member who falls ill maybe somebody else so so did emerge from that human belief that hey we need to have a environment where people have a little more flexibility in time but we also realized as a startup we have to ship we are in a competitive space we have to ship fast and we had to make it work so this evolved out of that human belief but we found a way to make it work and keep keep refining that the one aspect of appsmith where where this didn't work really well was for example in projects where something needed to be shipped immediately tomorrow maybe there was a bug bug that showed up and we needed to fix it immediately tomorrow and you couldn't get like five people together to come fix it which is what would have happened in an in person meeting so that's one area where we struggled and i believe we still struggle a little bit because sometimes people just have their slack off notifications off and they don't realize that we need somebody to come in so we've had to put some deliberate systems in place we've had to create a, a deliberate system of people who are on call people who are part of the customer support team but you know they're doing it part time so we've had to introduce some deliberate methods there but in most areas we actually ship really well in fact about 6 months ago there was a company which did an analysis of open source projects and how quickly they ship and appsmith actually showed up in the top of that list we basically shipped the most versus 20 other open source projects which are in the same space as we are So I love that you were able to recognize where the the virtual system wasn't working so well, where an in-person system would be better and then figure out and be deliberate about putting in something else in place, like coming up with a different process or a different way of communicating so that it wouldn't just be like, "Oh, wow, this sucks." It's, you know, we're scrambling, but actually figuring out, "Okay, these are the places where we we need to make some shifts." And we need to have like I love this idea of on call. <laughs> It's such a cool idea, right? We have that with doctors. where sometimes yeah you're you're out of your office time but we just need to have some extra coverage and yeah. that's so much better for people to know hey these are my on call hours than to just be f- either feeling like you have to check your email or your slack all the time because you don't want to be missing anything if something does happen or you're never checking because you're like I'm off and I'm not checking and then you come back and everyone everything's like exploded and you're like oh my gosh i missed 700 slack messages that doesn't feel good either right so i like this idea of of creating some some norms and some boundaries and and being really deliberate about that so i want to i want to kind of come back to another core value for a second here it's something also that you talked about with the shift to creating home spaces where everyone can have their own office in a way that feels right for them. So this is super unusual and it's something I've heard a lot of organizations talk about is that if people are working from home predominantly or they're a totally virtual team, what is our responsibility as a company to set them up at home? Like if they were coming to the office, we'd give them a laptop and a physical workspace. But if they're at home, we give them the laptop obviously, but What else are we supposed to do? So can you talk a little bit about that core value of yours? Yes. So so we do two things there. Number one is for people who are working from home, we reimburse internet and electricity bills to a certain percentage. 
because you know they're obviously consuming resources at home by being at home. The second thing we do is we provide a home office budget so that you can buy some furniture, a really nice chair, because if you were at office, you would get an ergonomic chair and people often skimp out on that at home. So we decided we need to have a budget for that so that you don't hurt yourself while working for AppSmith. So we do that if you're working from home, but we've also introduced a WeWork budget or a co-working space budget rather, where you can go work out of a co-working space for a certain number of days. In some areas or for some people, they can work out of a WeWork for as much as they want. But for other folks, there's sort of like a dollar limit on how much you can spend. But with both of this, we found we can support folks who want to separate home and office, but also support people who want to continue staying at home, but just create a better environment and do that by investing some uh, some amount of equipment and infra to make that a good workplace. That's so nice. Like That's so thoughtful to give people a choice and allow them to create the work environment that's going to work best from them for them. I just, I love that. And I, I hope more teams will, will start to think that way about how do we use physical space to set our people up for success yeah. wherever they're working. All right. One other core value that I want to pull, pull on. And again, it's something that I think you alluded to was this idea of all ideas are welcome. And this phrase, I love this, strong opinions weekly held. And I, the reason I love it is because my dad actually says that all the time when I'm in meetings with him. And so can you talk more about kind of how you're bringing together different ideas and like the Miro board is such a great example of getting people's ideas out and really valuing each person's contributions. Yeah. So so I've been an entrepreneur for, for about 10 years. AppSmith is my third company. And one of the things that I realized in my first two startups is people who speak truth to the founders and to the CEO are very, very rare. And they're actually my favorite people, people who come up to me and tell me that, hey, Abhishek, you might be the CEO and the founder, but you are wrong. And this is how I would do it. They're absolutely my favorite people because it takes so much bravery to come and disagree with somebody you know, in my case, somebody who I write the paychecks. So it's it's really hard to do that. So, so at AppSmith, we've definitely created an environment where people can do that. And there are many, many times where I publicly change my opinion and I communicate that fact that I used to believe this, but because this person told me X, I now believe Y. And that's something I, I do that so that I can communicate to every team member, but also to managers that you have to be somebody who's who's willing to change your idea because you got new information, because somebody made a compelling argument. And that's how you you create a place which is constantly evolving and can constantly keep changing to maybe meet the market demands or maybe to meet changing org structure. Like in case of AppSmith, we grew from, you know, six-member team in 2020 to today, like 120 people. That's a lot of growth. And the reason our culture hasn't gotten spoiled is because we just change things. Things that we were doing when we were six members strong, we don't do that today. Things that we are doing today, we'll probably stop doing it once our team grows by another 50, 60 people. And that only happens when people feel that they can make changes and they feel that the founders and the managers are completely willing and committed to making that change. The other thing that this has done is when I disagree with somebody's opinion, they also know that it's coming from a from a genuine place. It's not coming 
from a place where you know, I'm marking my territory and saying, you know what, this is this is what I believe and I'm the boss. So because I agree with them, I can also disagree with them in a way that doesn't affect them personally. That that's so incredible. I mean, it is you're you're totally right. It is not easy for people to disagree with a CEO and or a senior leader and sometimes even with their own boss. So to create that kind of culture where people feel like they can and even in some ways it sounds like obligated to speak up because they want to because they know that it's going to be it's going to be heard and listened to and it's going to it's valuable. I'm I'm curious if you found any differences as you were growing across different countries and different cultural norms how that approach played out because this is something I'm always fascinated by how behaviors that are kind of normal I will say quote normal in America that I'm kind of used to can be interpreted or seen very differently by cultures in different parts of the world so as you kind of expanded beyond your home country, how did the cultural differences impact things like people feeling comfortable speaking truth to power? That's a that's a really interesting question because so very early on, I had American managers. It's very interesting, but there were a lot of Americans who used to work in, or rather still continue to work in India. And I happened to do my first internship with an American manager, my second internship with an American manager. And the first time I had a job, again, I had an American manager. And what I found was that Americans have generally grown up in a very multicultural environment and in a very diverse environment. So I think a lot of my managerial values, I have definitely learned from from my American bosses because I always saw that they were just so good at welcoming diversity in opinion. Now, I know not every American might be like that, but definitely the ones that I worked with were like that. So that that sort of push me to always find some commonality with anybody that I'm working with and use that commonality to identify how do we make this place a better place for you and how do we tweak this workspace to be better for you because every time you add a new person instead of always expecting that person to change it's also wise to ensure that your org also evolves a little bit more and just becomes like that. So, so I'm constantly ensuring that whenever we have a new team members from a particular geography or a particular way of working, we're also slightly tweaking our way of working to work with them better. One example that I can give you, so a bulk of our team is still in India. About 75% of our team is in India. And for a lot of Indians, English is not their native language. It's like the second or the third language. So they often you know, used to make maybe like some grammatical mistakes or communicate without providing full context. So uh, so what we did was we actually bought Grammarly for a few people, but we also explained to people, hey, next time you make a point like this, you should think about adding these details or you should think about explaining it in this particular way so that it's understandable to somebody who's who doesn't know you that well or is not from India. That's something we did. Then... The other thing that that I've noticed, so I, I work with a lot of folks from Europe and I've seen every European country has a slightly different way of communicating the same idea or some people, they're more lighthearted. Other people, they're all about work and they don't want to talk about their personal lives. So really like depending on who I'm talking to and who's in that team, I make sure that people really get to know that other person a little bit better and understand what this person's values are. 
and what this person communication style is. It's not always easy to achieve this because you have to be quite observant. But over time, I've realized that if you, you know, if you just ask them a little bit more about, hey, so what makes you uncomfortable? What makes you comfortable? What is like your communication style? They, they give you advice on how do you work with them better. And I try to ensure that as a CEO, our org is evolving to accept such people and to create such an environment. It's such a beautiful way to think about an organization as being kind of alive in the way that every time someone new joins, the organism has to shift a little to accept this person in. It can't just, it's not just like a, a plug and play, but, the, but the, there's this kind of dynamic that this person's coming in and helping to shift and create a new or a slightly different pivoted experience. And the organization's responding to that. That That's such a cool way to look at it. And then to be able to then accept so many different kinds of differences in culture and communication style, as you said, that we don't have to make assumptions. We can actually talk to our team members and find out a little bit more and work with them in the way that kind of feels most comfortable and alive for them. Just it, it's such a different way to think about how how a team works, how how managers can work with their team members best. And also this point around English language. I mean, I think it's this is so challenging when we're trying to find the common language. And for some of us, it's the first language we learn. We've been speaking in our whole lives and we have a very solid grasp. I won't always say that everyone has a solid grasp of grammar, even if you learned English first. But it can be a point of contention or at least of friction across teams. So I love that you, you talked about like, let's just help folks find the right tools so that we can communicate in this shared language. And if we don't understand something, let's not assume the worst of our team members. Let's actually assume the best and let's figure out where do those where do those nuances not come across? Where are those details? What are the questions we have to ask so we can get to that information? I think that's just, it's so important to remember that, that, and as you said, like writing is different than speaking. So they're just different skills that we need to be able to support people in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it's definitely work in progress. I I do think there's a lot of areas where we need to improve, but I do believe we've made more progress here than, than ever before. Amazing. All right. Well, it's time for us to wrap up. So... Abhishek, can you tell us about a great manager that you worked for and what made this person such a fantastic boss? Absolutely. So so this person was a was my manager when I was working at Excel. Excel is a venture fund. They have an office in the in the US and as well as in Bangalore. So I worked with this person, Shekhar, who was like my manager. But before that, he was also an investor in my startup. So I had a relationship with him for about three years before I started started working with him at Excel. And this person stood out as a as a manager to me because he was just such a such a believer in everything that I did. I might screw up, but he would just be such a believer. And that was something that that felt really different because it felt like unconditional belief. And and I realized like when you work with somebody who has unconditional belief in you, you tend to succeed so much more. When I started working at Excel, I was I, I was definitely a little bit low on confidence. And I think because of Shekhar, uh, his support, and the way that that he would actually let me discover what I should do, let me make mistakes, and still be so supportive, I realized 
this is what this is an essential trait in any manager that they should constantly exude confidence and belief in their team members even if the team member doesn't believe it doesn't believe themselves but the manager does it's going to change something in that team member and that's one of the reasons why after excel i could do appsmith as a startup and now appsmith is succeeding and shikhar is one of my board members Aww. but i'm forever grateful to him for that that's amazing And where can people learn more about you and AppSmith and keep up with your work? So you can find AppSmith at appsmith.com. So AppSmith is a way to build internal applications. So you should go check it out at appsmith.com. And you can find me on on Twitter if you search for Abhishek Nayak, you should find me there. Or on LinkedIn, which I don't check that often, but I'm there on both those places. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. It was really fun getting to hear about your journey and so enlightening to hear uh, the lessons you've learned along the way about how to build a strong global company and a strong global team. Thank you so much, Mimi. Abhishek is providing tools for managers to help implement the practices he's shared with us. These tools are available to patron-level members of the Modern Manager community, which includes participants in the Skills Accelerator. To become a member or sign up for the Skills Accelerator, go to themodernmanager.com/join. All the links are in the show notes and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to the newsletter. Find that at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively. build healthy relationships with your colleagues and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's m e e t e o r.com. You've been listening to the Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rockstar boss of a thriving team. I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com/podcast. That's m a m i e k s dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.